This is Rowan, two sisters with Preggers Can Be Choosers, and Andrea Lewis. What's the name of your um, doula biz, babe? Birth Reclaimed. Birth Reclaimed. Mm -hmm. And um, for, this is Elephant in the Womb, and it's a prenatal education live stream that I do every other Tuesday. The opposite Tuesday, I have a postpartum support group that I do. I host it on Zoom, and the postpartum support group, we see each other, and we don't live stream it onto Facebook, but the prenatal ad, I always like to do that. And today, we're kind of focusing on choosers, which is the idea that you can, that pregnancy has lots of outcomes. When somebody's pregnant, they don't have to stay pregnant. Sometimes they don't stay pregnant by choice. Sometimes they don't stay pregnant because because that's how it fell out, you know? And um, sometimes people go on to have full-term babies and they keep them and raise them. Other people, um, and maybe keep isn't the best word. Um, and other folks adopt their children out. Um, you know, there's just lots of, you know, somebody I follow, his name is Dr. Brad Bootslayer. And he's like this wonderful doctor. And he says, there's so many outcomes to pregnancy that hardly anybody, like we don't talk about it as like, this might be an outcome, right? So. Um, I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about your miscarriage experience, and then I thought also we could talk about um, what we're doing, what we both learned from that experience, and then what we're doing now. So um, I guess that's what I got to say. Do you want to introduce yourself and tell us about your business real quick before we start? Um, okay, well, I'm a new doula in the Houston area, but um, right now I'm focusing more on teaching hypnobirthing, child childbirth education courses. And um, I recently had my third miscarriage that kind of put a wrench in all of my plans because it's such a traumatic and strong experience that I've kind of just halted where I'm at and I'm taking the time to honor that and do everything that you know involves with that. And part of that was um, getting to know Rowan, who helped me through my miscarriage, and um, learning more about how to help others in the same position. So. I'm uh, muting us in between when, when I'm not talking, I'm muting myself. So um, because I'm in an Airstream, it's kind of loud. And so anyway, if it takes me a minute to respond, that's what's happening. Do you want to um, say how we met each other? That's kind of a fun story. We could start there. Uh, I think the first time we met was my sister's birth. Was that, was that it? I think that. That was your sister? Yeah, my well, sister. I mean, yeah, okay. Yeah, that was my, my baby sister. <laughs> okay, I didn't know that part. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, you, you actually, you came right in and you were immediately like, we're going to, we're going to have this baby. We're going to do this thing here. Andrew, do this, do that, do this. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. We got a live one. And <laughs> we just jumped right into it. And she had that baby. I think it was like an hour, two hours. It's pretty quick. Yeah. Really fast. Yeah. yeah. And, but she, she births, like your sister is an awesome birther. Like she does great. Mm -hmm. She just did fantastic. The whole She's way. a warrior. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Um, and I thought that was fun, too, because I hadn't um, been working at that birth center very long. So mm -hmm. here I was, and I think that might have been, like, one of my last births as a student, or I don't even remember. But, yeah, it was fun. It was fun to do it together. So. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay. So then um, take us through the journey, then, of how we kept working together or working together more. Um, I know that you uh, you do the Maya abdominal massage. Is it mm -hmm. Maya or Mayen? It's Mayan. Maya. Maya. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the, the Maya abdominal massage and um, I had heard about that being really good for not only miscarriage management, but prolapse support, which I also mm -hmm. suffer from. Mm -hmm. So I thought, you know what, I know I need some TLC and who knows, this might help me with my symptoms. I'm going to reach out and see what she says. 
and you were just overwhelming with your response in a good way. You know, just, mm -hmm. I can't believe this is happening. I'm so sorry. I would love to do this for you. Um, so we met up for, you know, the Mayan abdominal massage and I ended up getting a lot more than just a massage. I got a lot more emotional support, um, practical support. Uh, it was just a, almost like a life-changing moment <laughs> to okay. sound a little cheesy. No, I didn't um, know that part. Okay. Yeah. Cause I walked out of there just feeling a lot more, um, supported really just mm -hmm. in multiple ways. Uh, you were very raw and vulnerable in your own discourse with me. So it made me feel like I could be raw and vulnerable. When we were in the session, is that what you're talking about? Mm -hmm. Even before the session, when we were just talking, you know, just getting to know each other before we did the massage. And, but like uh, at my clinic? Is that like mm -hmm. at my clinic? Okay. Yeah, at your clinic. Yeah. Because you'd mentioned that before and I was like, please let me have had better boundaries at your sister's birth, not just, like, <laughs> no. you know, lay my No, heart. no, no. Okay. Well, I mean, you were very real at her birth too. I think mm -hmm. that's something that I think other people realize about you from the beginning is that you are um, very open and right. honest and you're honest about who you are and you're honest about yourself and that lets other people be comfortable as well you know it's like we don't have to hide who we are you're not hiding who you are kind of thing right we're, we're yeah. all just going to be open-hearted and direct mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. practical because at your sister's birth you were pregnant i remember that mm -hmm. and i found out afterwards because i was a little bit worried about some of the things i had been asking you to do i think mm -hmm. i would have modified some of my requests if i'd known you were pregnant but you were either early pregnant or i didn't notice mm -hmm. or the lights were dim or something but um okay and then i think i also reached out to you in between mine and your sister's birth, I was like writing a protocol or something for my midwifery business mm -hmm. about doulas that I want to work with. So I think oh, I yeah, yeah. to you and asked you about that. And you were like, oh, I'm doing this right now because I'm pregnant. And then right mm -hmm. after that was when you told me that you were miscarrying. That's then, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then you reached out to me and I was like, well, get in here. Let's go. And you came mm -hmm. in for the, my, my, uh, we, I call it our Vigo because that's the, um, right, the right. Trained under is our Vigo and that's trademark. But, um, but I think the goal of the miscarriage support session was to kind of to get you bleeding because it was mm -hmm. at that point a missed miscarriage, right? Mm -hmm. And that's yes. the term that we use when um, the fetus is not growing anymore, but the bleeding and the emptying of the contents of the uterus has not started. So that was one of our objectives. It was kind of like bother your uterus enough to go ahead and get that part going, mm -hmm. um, which we weren't all that successful with in that session, if I'm, mm -hmm. if I'm remembering this right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was still a three more weeks after that, I think two or three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it definitely helped, um, even on a, a mental, emotional level and oh, okay. even, even physically, because like the bloating, man, the bloating was insane before I came to see you even that day. And I remember I went out to, um, like whole foods or sprouts afterwards to get some of the stuff we talked about. Mm -hmm. And I felt like 20 pounds lighter. It felt amazing. You know, my entire abdomen, just the whole thing felt lighter. So my bloating stayed away for like a week. It was awesome. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Good. All right. Yeah. Some did something. Congestion. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Congestion. Okay. All right. And um, do you want to talk about why you chose to not go to the hospital or some of that? And I want to be gentle. Like, you know, some of the people that we're talking are, are my sister providers and I'm not here to malign them. And mm -hmm. I don't also don't want to, um, you know, some of them are held by protocols that I'm not. I'm a professional midwife. I'm not a nurse midwife. Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid of losing, losing a nursing license. Um, I'm a newer midwife. I've always been a little bit cavalier. I'm a curandera by profession. Mm -hmm. So um, if we can go through your journey without naming names, that would be helpful. Mm -hmm. And also, um, you know, it's, it's good form, I think, on a lot of levels. And it's energetically good form for us because their decisions helped us get to each other. 
So. Right. Right. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Cool. Um, let's see. Uh, well, I know with my, my, my very first pregnancy was a miscarriage. Um, and I had been with an OB and I fell through the cracks then as well. Uh, there were a lot of red flags about my pregnancy that she didn't catch. And, um, namely being that it was a partial molar pregnancy, which is another variation of pregnancy outcomes. Wait, 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 when was that? That was in 2012. That was my very first one. Um, okay. And it wasn't ever confirmed because I kind of fell through the cracks. It wasn't until the molar placenta came out of me at home and I took pictures of it and I showed my, my, showed my OB and I said, you know, what, what is this? this? This is not what I thought it was going to be. This is weird looking. And her face just turned white. She was like, that looks like a molar placenta. I'm like, that's what I thought. You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, we did all the tests and everything and it, it all turned out fine. I didn't have any okay. complications from it. Um, but that was seven weeks of waiting for my miscarriage to start because it, it wasn't going to start on its own because of the molar pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And I ended up inducing with herbs um, on my own after reading a lot on the internet. So I kind of came to this point of more um, personalized holistic care of, okay, well, how can I take care of myself and my body because my doctor is failing me right now. And every time I had a question, she, either wouldn't respond or would just tell me, you know, just keeping patient, it'll happen, you know, and by seven weeks, it was like, nothing is happening. So that kind of led me into midwifery care. When I got pregnant with my second, I heard so many people talking about how midwifery care is so, um, so much more individualized and personal. And so I sought out midwives for my second pregnancy and they're on. Um, and this miscarriage was my fifth pregnancy. So I've had uh, two babies and one more early loss, uh, two live babies, one more early loss. And then this fifth pregnancy was a miscarriage. And uh, again, I didn't really want to go the hospital route. I didn't want to go with the DNC because I still wanted to honor that part of me that kind of taps into natural birth. And while a miscarriage isn't, similar to a natural birth and that your body's not really working with you in the same way and you don't have a baby to work with your body it's still natural you know it's still part of nature it still happens um and i wanted to feel like i had some choice and control in the matter that it wasn't just being done to me and some people feel the opposite they feel like getting a dnc or getting the cytotech pills they feel like doing that is their control and that, that's fine for them. But for me, I, I need, I needed the opposite. I'm not really sure how to explain it. Does that make sense? Well, I think there's a thing like when things feel so, um, for you, like I, I'm just, you know, cause we don't know each other that well, but for you, like it's a way to kind of control the process and be back involved. And, you know, it's kind of mm -hmm. like choosing the style of birth that you're going to have. Some people have yeah. You know, they choose a surgical birth because that's best for them. And then other people want to have kind of the more, um, you know, just be more tapped in and more in flow. And, and I think it's a way mm -hmm. to regain control out of in a process that's really not in control. So I can see that. And especially if you're, you know, when folks choose um, midwifery care, there's a lot of personal responsibility and personal autonomy. And that doesn't work for a lot of people. And for a lot of people, it does. So I can see that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then what happened? So you, um, how can you walk us through the process? So with this um, last pregnancy, which is 
or um and not to maybe this is presumptive but i'm not thinking it's going to be your last pregnancy by choice but it's just mm -hmm. this pregnancy in this moment that we're talking about okay mm -hmm. number five um you uh did you feel the baby not moving did you have any in or well, i guess it's still pretty early did you have any intuition that the pregnancy was not viable or that you were going to have a loss or how did that what was that process um i didn't really have any instincts until the night that her heart stopped except that from the very beginning i had nightmares every night about um, sometimes about miscarriage but i had that even with my live babies and i know that that's part of my anxieties with my very first pregnancy um so that i knew that part was normal but then i started having nightmares about the baby herself you know it ended up being a girl um I had nightmares that she had facial deformities, um, like cleft lip, cleft palate, just really vivid, disturbing nightmares that would stick with me, you know, throughout the day. And I don't usually have nightmares. I'm, I'm a pretty happy, optimistic person. So the fact that I was even having them was disturbing me a lot. Um, and I was using my home Doppler to find the heartbeat. And uh, I actually found it very early, which was extremely surprising. I found it at seven weeks and one day. Yeah, <laughs> and it was 120 uh, beats per minute. And I listened to my second and my third, you know, my live babies. I know what it sounds like. I know what I sound like. It was definitely the baby. And about a week later, I tried again, and it was, I could only get 100. I kept thinking, well, that's kind of strange, because my, my pulse was like 70, 80. No, it was kind of strange. I was thinking maybe it was the placenta. And then the night before her heart stopped, I couldn't find it at all. And I think because it must have been so slow, I could just hear my own heartbeat everywhere, and maybe hers was also that slow. And that night, the nightmare stopped. The next morning, we woke up and we had our ultrasound um, appointment, and that's where they said, you know, the heart there was no heart activity at all, no blood flow at all, and they were just surprised as I was because they said everything looks perfect. I mean, it had to have just stopped. So I did have that slight in indication um, going into my appointment when I realized the nightmare stopped, and I felt anxious whereas I felt at peace before and suddenly I had this crazy anxiety like I knew the bad news was coming and also combined with the heartbeat it was just I wasn't surprised I, I think I ended up consoling the um the, tech, the radiologist more than <laughs> more than she consoled me because she you know she was so upset and sorry but I kind of expected it so that's still terrible, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm so sorry. So from there, what, what did you do? What happened? Uh, we had um, a meeting with a hospital midwife at the time. Um, I choose to go and see, because of my losses, I choose to go and see one in the very beginning, get the ultrasound, do blood work if necessary, be told everything's okay, and then go into out-of-hospital care. Okay. And uh, so that appoint first appointment was with that midwife, um, hospital mm -hmm. midwife. And uh, she basically, I think her hands are kind of tied on what her options are. Um, she could refer me out to a surgeon to do the surgery, probably the OB that she consults with, um, or she could offer me the pills to take at home. Um, but knowing me and my stances, and I've seen her before in the past, she knew that I'd want to take care of it at home and she can't offer anything to go with that. And that's just her her personal limitations of where she's practicing and what she knows and that's okay you know that's not her specialty so um i consulted with a home birth mid home birth midwife that i had already 
chosen to hire for my home birth. Mm -hmm. um, and she also didn't know quite as much either because it again it wasn't her specialty and um that's kind of where i ran into this big question mark of like well who does specialize in natural miscarriage who does know about it and the more i looked around the more i saw nobody really does until you and i started talking and it was like hey she knows something you know this is great i've got somebody to you know talk about this with because my, with my first miscarriage when i did it all by myself i was just using the internet and we know the dangers of the internet. You never know if what you're reading is true or safe or, you know, so that, that's kind of the terrifying part is not knowing, you know, if what you're doing by yourself is the right choice or not. Right. And I want to jump in and say that what I know is from books from, you know, eighties and nineties. Right. <laughs> and I've seen that information replicated online, but I know the books that, that the information originally came from. And I remember reading them going, I can't believe this is out here. But my mom was also a hardcore feminist, like 70s, you know, like, and so um, I have some of the books from her and like our bodies ourselves, those types of things. So, and I've had friends over the years who needed support um, with miscarriage or terminating pregnancies. So like, this is just kind of, I don't want to say half-assed, but just like kind of knowledge that wasn't on the forefront. But when you were like, I'm going to do this, I'm like, oh, okay, sure, that makes sense. And I've had friends who drank yarrow tea every, it's yarrow tea, I can never remember. It takes me a minute to remember. Where they like, and you go to the outside your yard and you get three fronds from either candy or yarrow, I can't remember. And you make your hot tea and you drink that around the time, two days before you want your period. Like, you know, this is like the birth control I know, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, but it really wasn't anything really taught in, my midwifery education and I'd seen it mentioned a little bit and I'd had a couple of losses with some of my preceptors but mostly it was like you know they would go and get a DNC or I would help um, get the bleeding started and then it would you know like I hadn't had much experience with like waiting for three weeks so um, but I wasn't an expert on any means it was just like I had some back knowledge one of my grandmothers is a wise woman so I knew some from that and then, you know, like you, I was like researching things on the internet. And then you would like say, I'm having this symptom. I'm like, that doesn't feel good to me. And then also my intuition, right? So I'm like, mm -hmm. like it's in the middle of the night. I'm like texting, you know, <laughs> or like messaging back and forth. And I'm like researching. So anyway, I didn't have a vast knowledge, but I was game. You know, I'm game to like, mm -hmm. let's try. And I had some knowledge and, um, and some of it was from, you know, like from when I was like in high school. So. Because I was in high school in the 80s. I'm 47. I'm like pretty good for my age. Um, but I was in high school in the 80s, which is pre-internet. So we had, you know, books. That's what we had to do. You had to read mm -hmm. a book and you had to talk to your grandma. So anyway. Mm -hmm. Okay. So <laughs> why did you not take any pills? Why did you decide herbs over pills? Uh, mostly anecdotal evidence. Everyone I talked to, I mean, overwhelmingly, the amount of people I talked to who chose the pill form, um, because it is all synthetic stuff, mm -hmm. had such violent reactions to it mm -hmm. and ended up almost traumatized by the effects from it and then went on to need a DNC anyway. So it was like a double whammy. But when I read about people's anecdotal evidence with herbs, you still had that risk, but it seemed like it was not as high of a risk as it was with herbs. So I was really doing a lot of um, kind of risk balancing. And I, 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 I mean, three weeks of waiting. And of course I'm kind of driving my husband nuts because every other day I'm like, maybe I'll just go get the DNC. No, wait, no, maybe I won't. And he's like, what do I do? What do I say here? Um, but pretty much daily I was 
reanalyzing, okay, here's how I'm feeling today. Here's what the risk would be for this or this or this. And I kind of just looked at my three tiers of options, DNC, pills or herbs, and kept coming back to the least risks for me in my case was to wait naturally. Um, it can also depend on how far along you are in a pregnancy. Um, I know that the pills don't always work as well after a certain gestation. Uh, and also certain gestations of birth with your own criteria might make a home delivery more risky, you know, higher risk of hemorrhage or um, other complications. So I really had to think a lot about my own personal history and that it's kind of scary to do on your own because I, you know, I'm, I'm not medically trained. So I'm just kind of guessing, I, I don't know if there is some red flag I should be looking for. So that, that part was the scary part of choosing a natural miscarriage without a set provider who knows. So I'm like, I don't, I don't know what the red flags are. Excuse me, what the red, red flags are. Um, you did give me some of those during the miscarriage, you know, like when I was like, is this okay? Or is that okay? And you're like, Oh, we'll be on the lookout for this, this, or this. And just having that practical information was empowering because then I was able to take better care of myself and not just show up at the ER and be left neglected for six hours because it's not an emergency and there's nothing they can do, which is what I did during my first. And it was miserable. Okay. So, um, three weeks in after like, so I guess I'd seen you like two weeks before or three weeks before. And then I get a text, I think. And um, you said that you were, I think sitting on the toilet and you heard a pop. Is that right? And I was, you... yeah, I was sitting at, um, I was at dinner with my family at home. Luckily um, it's my son's birthday. So we're having pizza and just enjoying a movie, just real low key. Cause we knew that, you know, things might happen at any moment. And yeah, I just felt a pop. I mean, I wasn't cramping. I wasn't hurting. It was just pop. And I'm like, and it was a flood of fluid, you know, in my panties. So I'm like, oh my gosh, and I could run into the bathroom. And of course my whole family is like, oh no, what's wrong? <laughs> and my boys come trailing in to see what the matter is. And there's blood everywhere. And I'm having to reassure them it's okay. It's okay. This is, you know, mom's going to be okay. This is supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. um, which kind of was kind of therapeutic for me. Cause I'm like calming myself down. Like don't freak out in front of them. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, but there um, in my underwear was the baby. The baby came up mm -hmm. first, um, mostly fluid and blood. And then from then on, the miscarriage just continued with lots of blood and clots. Uh, I didn't realize it was the baby at the time because after mm -hmm. being in my womb for three weeks, passed away, it had already started to deteriorate. Mm -hmm. So I set it aside. I took a picture and um, I put it in a container thinking this, this is definitely not normal stuff. This is something. And it wasn't until after the fact I went back and I looked at it and I looked at pictures and I said, Oh my gosh, that is my baby. You know, mm. I found other pictures that look similar. So that, that was helpful. Mm. Um, and as I sat there, I, I had a strainer um, tucked underneath the toilet seat mm -hmm. so that it would stay to catch anything that came out. Cause I knew I needed to get um, tissue samples for testing. And since I wasn't sure about the baby yet, I was like, I'm just going to collect everything I can to make sure I get the testing. Um, do you want to tell us more about that testing? Uh, it's the genetic testing where I had to drop it off with the office, but I think you can also do, um, through the mail. If you contact the companies directly, the same companies that do pregnancy, um, genetic screenings, like, uh, maternity 21 panorama, that sort of thing, progenity. 
Yeah, it's um, progenity. So locally, yeah. if you're here in Houston, uh, Jackie Gregg, she's a midwife and she has a progenity account and you just call in, talk to Mary, it's Midwife in the Heights and arrange to do a test that way. And it's called Products of Conception. It's a Products right. of Conception test for anybody who's wanting to have that and also uh, progenity. But a lot of local midwives have them and uh, have an account. I don't have one yet, but um, I might. So, okay. But I just wanted to make that clear. So it's mm -hmm. products. Yes. And why, why did you get um, the baby tested? Why did you get the, the tissue tested? Uh, being my third loss, we really wanted to get some answers if we could, because uh, in terms of our family history, I'm the only one who's had losses. So it was like, what's going on? And um, with my first being the undiagnosed molar, it was like, well, I want to make sure something weird isn't happening again, especially because the, the two miscarriages and the two pregnancies were very similar. It kind of set off red flags in my brain, like, oh no, this could be molar too. And, you know, um, but we also wanted to know the sex of the baby just because that gave us some closure and it's easier to picture, you know, what your child would have been like and have those good memories instead of just this blob that you don't really, you know, anyway, it's, it's, it was therapeutic in a way. So finding out the sex was um, important to us if they could find it out. And it ended up being linked to her results because um, she had a, uh, Turner syndrome, which is where she only has one sex chromosome, just X. There is no Y, there is no extra X, it's just X. So by default, she had to be a girl. Um, of course, she could choose to be whatever she wanted later in life. We don't know. Snaps to you, yeah. <laughs> Andrea, for being gender aware. Thank you. Okay, that was good. Okay, but we'll keep moving here. That was good, okay. Anyway, that, that helped us um, choose a name for her and um, it was also kind of bittersweet because my two living boys, my two living, living children are boys. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had a strong feeling that our first was a girl as well. So it was kind of a little bit of a heartbreak to think, oh, you know, we lost a daughter we could have had. Um, Do you want to share her uh, We decided to name her Carolina Wren. Oh. And there's a story behind that. Um, we have a, a, a wren that builds a nest in our garage every year. And that morning, um, the morning, I think it was of, the morning of the testing results that came in, um, I was waiting to hear the results. My husband and I were standing there watching our patio and there, the mama wren was out there gathering stuff for her nest. And it was just a beautiful, quiet morning watching her. And we were both just so at peace. And it was just a nice moment after all the chaos of the miscarriage. And then we got the news that she was a girl. And I was like, wow, I feel like her name should be Wren. And the type of bird she is is a Carolina Wren. And we thought, well, that makes a really pretty name. So yeah, yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. I'm glad. Thanks for sharing that. That helps like kind of pull the energy package together. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Hey y'all, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get right back to it. Getting back to our real talk after birth style. Okay. So um, you had a couple of rough nights where we were texting and talking back and forth. And um, one thing that I know for myself that whenever I do this work with anybody, I, I'm either going to send them home or make them buy immediately um, a blood pressure cuff. And yeah. uh, we had a lot of conversations about what's your blood <laughs> pressure, what's your pulse, what's your blood pressure. Um, I think that that would have been something, you know, like that helped me know that that's a critical piece for mm -hmm. information so that I can keep monitoring. Mm -hmm. um, but you had... How many days do you feel like you were like really in, I'm having a miscarriage mode, like I need to rest and take care and 
At least five. I mean, maybe even the full week. Like I know that that night that started was my son's birthday, the eighth. The next day was my birthday, the ninth. So I was able to use that extra excuse of, sorry, I have to stay in bed all day. You know, it's my birthday too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the next day was like, was it the next day Mother's Day? Or Mother's Day was wrapped up somewhere what in all of this as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I just kept using those excuses of staying in bed. Um, but I remember even after those excuses were gone, still feeling so weak. I mean, just going down the stairs, my, my bedroom's upstairs. So coming down the stairs was would take the breath out of me. I mean, it was like I had given full-term birth. It was very similar to my full-term birth in that the energy that I was missing, um, breathlessness, and that weird kind of out of sorts. I don't know, when, when, you're, when your abdomen has been full, been full and it's empty, you feel empty. You feel like a, a brick is missing, you know? Like you just feel kind of out of sorts. And I had that feeling as well. I had to get used to what my body felt like without the baby there. Even though I wasn't that far along, it had changed my body enough that I definitely noticed a difference afterwards. Okay, okay. Um, I forget, did you do any belly binding? I didn't. Um, I'm a little wary of it because of the prolapse. Got it. Got it. That's legit. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, you know, now as I'm thinking about it, um, and we're taking a course together, but maybe as I learn more um, for, for for this service that I want to offer, I might like come out and do a home visit and maybe do a blood draw to check labs mm-hmm. and like anemia level, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. HCG, stuff like that. So do you want to talk about the emotional um, ramifications of it for like, I guess one, I want to talk about, did you feel like it went better because you were at home? Um, And two, did you feel like there wasn't enough medical support? And then three, what have been the overarching um, like emotional, like it doesn't seem like there's enough emotional support out there in the world for Mm -hmm. loss. So I guess those are, you can talk about three of them, all three of them, one of them, whatever. Okay, that, that I forgot what number one was already. <laughs> I don't remember either. <laughs> Something about, uh, I know emotional was in there, and then you mentioned the medical support. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we, we've definitely talked a lot about the, the lack of the medical support when you naturally miscarry because a lot of people don't have that knowledge anymore or it's not their specialty. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the information that I got from the internet as well was sourced from um, like Susan Weed's uh, materials or um, an herbal abortion website that was all about how to have an herb- herbal abortion. And Sister it was Zeus. Sister Zeus. Yep. And it had so much information and uh, anecdotes and all kinds of stuff. Um, but it's also outdated. So it kind of gives you that mm-hmm. pause of like, well, is this still relevant? I don't know. Mm-hmm. So it, it was kind of weird in there, but um, I, I couldn't really find anyone else who really knew a whole lot about that mm-hmm. except for, um, midwives in like other states or herbalists in other states like far away who were doing this sort of work um so i think this is definitely something that the houston area could use um since i've had my experience just in the past you know month or two i've talked to quite a few different women here in houston who have had the same experiences who didn't know where to turn and some of them um went ahead and finally got the dnc either because they felt like they needed to make that choice and it felt empowering for them to make that choice or because they felt so unsupported that they felt like they had no other option. And that's what breaks my heart is feeling like you have no other option. Right. Um, feeling like you have to make that choice. It's, it's totally different than wanting to make that choice. Um, let's see what else you said, the emotional 
what were you asking about? I don't know. We're just freestyling. <laughs> well, okay. we're taking a course together, mm -hmm. right? And that course is like definitely geared towards midwives. So like whatever, um, it's on Indie Birth with a really wonderful woman. Her name is like Molly Sutton Dutton or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like miscarriages and abortions are her jam, right? So um, I'm really into excited about this course and if if it gets too midwifery heavy like i'm happy to like help navigate some of that stuff for you um but what i guess two things is we're taking a course together so we can learn more about it i'll learn more about the medical side and um or i don't know medical midwifery the practitioner side if you will mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um and you're learning um what are your i guess what are your learning objectives from it like what are you hoping to gain from the course um, more information empowerment. So like when someone does reach out to me and say, you know, I'm having, I'm having a miscarriage. I'm, I'm waiting for it to happen. I'm still not bleeding. Uh, my doctor doesn't know what to do. She's really urging me to do the pills, but I'm scared of that. You know, like I want to be able to say, okay, um, if you'd like to reach out to Rowan or reach out to so-and-so and see what options they can offer you. Um, I want to be able to be there for more um, emotional support, which is kind of strange. Like, even though I know I needed more emotional support during mine, I don't always know how to give that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm really enjoying the course as well. Like our second module talking about companioning and mm -hmm. how to meet people where they're at and how right. to acknowledge where they're at instead of just trying to fix it. Cause I have that problem of, okay, well let's fix it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm, I really want to, um, draw out of the course more how to be there for them emotionally, mm -hmm. basically more, more like a doula. I mean, I know how to doula someone through a live birth, mm -hmm. but I don't really know how to doula someone through a miscarriage, even though I've had my own. So I'm, I'm really hoping that this will help kind of bring it more full circle. And uh, like the, like the course says, they're also relating it to how to support someone through an abortion. And I mm -hmm. know women personally who have had them oh, and yeah. it was a loss to them as well. Oh, yeah, yeah totally definitely. Is. Uh -huh. It totally is. Nobody yeah. like rolls into abortions. Like, I think I might have shared this with you. I used to work as like a handholder at Planned Parenthood. I actually, um, I don't know. It's not an audition. What is it when you try out for a job or whatever? I forget the role. Like an interview? It was an interview, but it was like a trial period, right? Mm -hmm. So, and at Planned Parenthood, they would, you know, the doula, it's called a handholder. And so you would hold their hand and you were supposed to kind of distract them. But I was real medical. It's like, now they're rebounding your cervix. Now they're doing, you know, <laughs> it was a little too concrete. Okay. <laughs> so um, I didn't get the gig. Um, but some people, like one lady came in and she's like, I just signed a contract in Africa. Like I can't be pregnant and it's a bummer, but you know, I got a two year thing I got to do, you know? And she was, that was the most chill I'd seen anybody. Mm -hmm. And then I saw a woman who was crying and said that she had five kids. She was living in a trailer, no support. Her husband left her. She'd been raped by her neighbor and was crying during her termination saying, please tell me God will forgive me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so like there, I don't think anybody thinks, Oh, well, I'll just go get my abortion. You know, like it's a choice and there's mm -hmm. at any choice there's at some point, um, and maybe somebody in the world doesn't have any grief, but it's hardly ever that situation. Right. And I want to acknowledge it. And even, even if there's grief, sometimes that's the best choice. So, mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And that I'm, I would like to be able to be there for women I know, and even strangers who come forward. Um, some people assume that just because you've had miscarriages, you're against abortion because like, oh, because I wanted my baby so badly, mm -hmm. like I should be offended by you. 
Like, no, a lot of the women I know who have had abortions really wanted that baby. And for whatever reason, they couldn't. And it hurts them as much as my miscarriages hurt me. Uh, maybe even sometimes more so. I, I don't want to compare too much, but that grief is definitely there. And I like how this course acknowledges that and brings it up repeatedly so that I can help be there for both forms of loss, you know? Yeah, yeah. One thing that I want to be careful with you because you are such a valuable resource is that you really have a bill, and this is my business coach self, mm -hmm. because it's easy to see why I would bill because I'm drawing blood and I'm doing hands-on care and I'm doing, mm -hmm. you know, like I'm actually the medical provider in this moment of the miscarriage, as long as it's a low-risk miscarriage, you know, because mm -hmm. um, that's what midwifery is, is low risk. Um, but because sometimes emotional support is not as easily billable, it's not in billable chunks like that. And you alluded to that in a post that you did about how you hoped it wasn't too much for me uh -huh. when, you know, you were needing a lot of support and we didn't know what we were doing. We were just like kind of flying, yeah. blind, you know, like thinking about billable time was not, that was not the time. Right. But I've had some time to think about it. And uh -huh. was I ever resentful? No. Would I have been pushier about going to your house and checking on you if uh -huh. I had been paid more? Mm -hmm. Yes, that yes. makes sense. I would have. And I think that's where, like, I know that's where I can grow the care. Because I think there was at one point where you would have really, it would have served both of us. Yes. I'd come over. And what's so. funny is I was just telling my husband the other day that that's something I would have paid for just as much as I was, I would have been paying into the live home birth option. I would have mm -hmm. gladly paid into the miscarriage home birth option, you know, like, that's kind of why I chose to miscarry at home was because I wanted, mm -hmm. I wanted to honor my baby the same way I would if she was live. Mm -hmm. And I feel that's the same way as I would want to honor the providers who are helping me through it the same way I would as if it was right. a live birth. And so, it yeah. just didn't occur to me. Mm -hmm. Like it just didn't occur to me at the time, you know, like, so, um, but it's is, not sustainable. Like, right. You know, yeah. I, I can't be up all night texting everybody. Yeah. God, it was literally like that. Like every 15 minutes, like, um, you know, I was laying in bed grabbing my phone. Um, but like, and this is where you're helping me grow the service. But the point I want to make is that because emotional labor is not as um, easily packaged for billable increments, I really want you to think about as a miscarriage doula, mm -hmm. what is your billable time? What is, how are you going to manage that? If you have seven people who are miscarrying, mm -hmm. how are you not going to be resentful or cheesed out or you know, because yeah. you'll be fielding some stuff. Okay, that's a Rowan question. That's a, that's mm -hmm. an Andrea question. That's a Rowan question. You know, like, I want you to really have this banged out. And we can keep talking about this as we go through the course, right? Because I do think that we work together well, um, if that's okay for you. It seems mm -hmm. like it works okay for me. So I, like, I'm happy to refer and for us to do some teamwork and stuff like that. So, but I do want you to know that um, kind of crafting these services when there's a huge need we've got to make sure that you protect your energy and your family and your mm -hmm. doula work and all that so I just want to bring that up yeah definitely okay well we're taking this course and so I'm hoping that um, in uh, it's a 10-week course but I'm like banging through it pretty fast how are you doing uh, I've gotten to the second and then I stopped because the um, the assignments aren't open yet and I know oh. I hate yeah. it when I do that. When, when, I, when I get back to having to turn in the assignments, I'm going to have to go all the way through it again to refresh my memory, which uh -huh. is good. But yeah. um, I just want to make sure I do some balance. I also have the problem of tending to get through things very quickly and then 
kind of petering off at the end. <laughs> so I'm trying to pace myself and the 10 week format is, is good for me because it's helping me pace myself. So I don't just throw everything in and then lose my steam. So, yeah. And that's called drip curriculum when they only give you a little bit at a time. That style of curriculum is called drip curriculum. It's frustrating and helpful at the same time. Right. It's, it's, that's exactly where we're supposed to be. Yeah, because I just like work on a little embroidery project. That's what this basket is back here. It's my embroidery project. I take that basket AA and then it has my embroidery projects in it. So I'm just like working on my project every night. So, okay, well, let's, um, if that's okay with you, then let's check in after we've taken the course and say some stuff that we've learned and maybe we can link to the course and um, just share that way. I'm going to look on Facebook to see if there's any um, questions that we might have before we sign off. Um, is there anything, well, um, I'm looking at this, is there anything else that you wanted to add? Mm, I can't really think of anything right now, but I will be thinking of some talking points for our, our part two video. Okay. Okay. And uh, my computer is moving slow as heck because it's uh, old, but capable. Thank you, computer. <laughs> and um, let's see what we got here. I'm not even seeing us come up. Videos. Oh, there we go. The comments. Oh, I see Adila's here and a Mary's here. Okay, so. It's just our usual tapes, <laughs> people I know, <laughs> which is great. I love that, you know, like having, um, and it's interesting. It says there's 14 comments, but I only see four. Hmm. Okay. Oh, I see Jessica. Okay. Jessica Miller, the last baby that she had was laying, well, she's pregnant now. Sorry, Jessica, if you don't want everybody to know. But like I was laying on the floor, like doing one of these, catching sideways. I'm like, I'm going to be down here. I'm not going to be able to bounce up fast, but I can catch. So that was fun. <laughs> I think I bring up Jessica every time I have a video. So, okay, well, um, I guess that's it for now. Um, I wanted to kind of wrap up at the 30 minute mark. Maybe the last thing um, I want to know is, do you feel like the level of support that you got or didn't get, will that, did that damage your relationships with some of the midwives moving further as you go further in pregnancies? How, is, how did that? Yeah, it did. Um, I feel a little awkward talking about it because I haven't addressed it with them yet and I would like to do that. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of clear the air and also provide room for growth maybe for both of us. I mean, maybe they have good feedback for me as well. So, um, but yeah, definitely not having the support that I thought I would get. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was really, it was hard not to take it very personally. Mm -hmm. um, even though it's probably everything involved was not personal at all, you know, just circumstantial. Cir circumstantial. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it, it's almost like um, a family member, you know, like we make pretty mm -hmm. good connections with our midwives and mm -hmm. it's almost like a family member kind of stepped out on me. Like mm -hmm. if my sister hadn't asked how I was doing kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I'm getting emotional now. <laughs> so this is something I still need to address with them so that I'm not um, making my own assumptions about things, if that makes sense. Right. Uh, and knowing them, I think they're going to be super down 
you know, mm -hmm. and I think that this is an area in midwifery that we don't always handle well as midwives, and it's a big growth area, and you're going to be part of that, um, that growth, mm -hmm. and that's beautiful, and that's and hard. <laughs> oh, yeah, right, because this is what healing looks like. It's not mm -hmm. all, like, cute and packaged, you know, there's snot and crying mm -hmm. and, you know, that ugly look and, you know, like, all of that, <laughs> and there's being upset and navigating feelings, but, you know, when we keep feelings are just energy in our body and as we keep that energy down it uh changes the chemistry of our body and um that's not good so let's let's go ahead and release that energy and shift those chemicals and uh create healing and it, and and this is you know my profession so that's gonna advance mm -hmm. my profession and your profession too you know mm -hmm. um, well andrea i really appreciate your vulnerability and your sharing and i um do feel like it was part of divine guidance that we became together yeah we, yeah you know like um we weren't bffs at the birth like right off like i mean we didn't hate each other or anything but um, <laughs> but like i'm glad that you sought me out and i'm glad that you knew that i was a resource for you and um i'm just glad that we met so and thanks to your sister for being such a badass birther that we got to meet right yeah yeah um, that's cool and uh let's plan in 10 weeks whatever that is i guess around the holidays we'll hop back in and have a you know choosers miscarriage part two and by then i'll have probably have a service offering up and uh for this and we'll just go forward and we'll be we'll be setting the bar in houston for miscarriage support and that'll be awesome all right i'm excited for that <laughs> We can do it. Yeah. All right. Well, this is Rowan and Andrea signing off from Preggers Can Be Choosers, discussing choosers and miscarriage support. Andrea is with Birth Reclaimed um, Doula, Doula Support. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I know. Sorry. Um, in Houston and surrounding areas, um, mostly north. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, Rowan, two sisters, Preggers Can Be Choosers, new midwife, Urban Kudandera. And uh, as always, helping everybody heal themselves because especially in today's political climate and environmental climate, we've got to really have our A game with our self care and our self healing. Cause if we don't need it for ourselves, our sisters or our brothers are going to need it. So or non-binaries or, you know, the other energies in our world are going to need that support. So we're all just going to step up cause this world needs all the point of lights right now. All right, that's it. Rowan, I'm ending this meeting. <laughs>